0: Hello, Michael Worth here, and welcome to episode 37 of the All Walks of Art podcast. By the time I get this all out of my mouth, it'll probably be episode 40, but we are doing a podcast for artists and creatives of all types. I like to think of the podcast as a lounge where we can sit, talk, shop, and tell stories over a tasty drink, grab a comfy chair, your favorite beverage, and enjoy the show. On today's show, my delightful friend and co-host—I know he doesn't like "delightful," but I'm going to use it anyway. Paul Ramey is joining us back in studio again today. Welcome to the show, Paul.
1: I prefer incorrigible.
0: Incorrigible, yes, yes. That's a good one for you. You're kind of like that, my little my little Sunday drunk buddy. <laughs> Oh, wow, wow, wow. You know, we just get a little silly. All right. (laughs) So today we talk about... What are we talking about? we, we, We are talking about photography and conservancy and preservation. I talk a little bit about an artist who, in many ways, was a naturalist and preservationist, much like our guest. I'm kind of excited about this one. I try a new segment on the show I'm affectionately referring to as Last Call. I put Paul on the spot right in front of our guests, which is kind of funny. And without further delay, let me introduce someone I would like to say is not just a photographer, but a photographer on a mission, making photos with purpose. Please welcome to the show, conservation and preservation photographer, Amanda Blunt.
2: Thank you hello Yay. how you doing?
0: Hey, it's, hey, hey.
2: it's like we've hey, done hey, this hey. before. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for everybody listening, I'm, I'm having a total, total brain lapse. It's like my it, we're beyond brain fart at this point. I'm just completely you know anxious about things. We we've had so much uh, technical difficulty, uh, and um, my brain's just not in place. And I think I got I got two planned for the show, and things are worked out well basically just do well. So something, something had to give, but I want to talk with our guest, Amanda. I really think she's a great guest for the show because, you know, we've had, we've had comedians, we've had a chef, we've had you and me, Paul, Paul and I just kind of uh, jacking our jaws about different things. But I think Amanda brings a lot more class to the show. Don't you think? I think so. I think so too. Oh, I
2: think so. I mean, you're asking me. I think awesome, so. Awesome.
0: So, I really want to know what exactly is a conservation and preservation photographer.
2: Oh well, since you asked, <laughs> a conservation and preservation <laughs> photographer is one uh, that covers um, a conservation as it is conservation photography is journalism photography for nature. The same with preservation. Is journalism photography for history or nature. And um, it comes with showing things how they really are. For instance, you don't go out and, and do a conservation photo of, of tr- a trees or a, a forest, and then you come back and Photoshop it. That would be more fine art. But mm-hmm. no, conservation photography is photography for um conservation and nature and mm-hmm. uh, showing it how it really is doing reports and having fun.
0: <laughs> that's the mission behind it, correct? That's that's kind that of That is the mission. Yeah. yeah, the
2: mission behind it is um bringing nature to people who are not able to get out to nature. Mm-hmm. The the whole point between photography and film and other creatives we I, I encourage other creatives to get out in nature and work with researchers through writing photography art mm-hmm. whatever their skill set is to show nature bring it back to the populace bring it back to those who don't who can't get out in nature or don't know the story of nature and don't know the story of the problems at hand. And let's work together with researchers to help them tell stories better, to make them better storytellers of their problems.
0: That's very good. I was actually going to ask you beyond the artistic expression, why is it important? And you really kind of summed that up before I even asked the question. It's, it really is important because we, you know, we wouldn't know I mean, just go back to the Galapagos, Galapagos, I can't even say it already. How much have I had to drink already, Paul? A
1: little bit.
2: How many takes have we done? (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) The Galapagos. Galapagos. Is that right? That's not giving Yes. All right. All right. The the islands over there in the Pacific. Um, Without, at least back in the 1800s when they were learning about this kind of stuff, because I think that was really kind of the golden age of learning about conservation, was a week, you know, uh, uh, John Audubon uh, was a painter from those days. And uh, he was, he was sharing a lot about nature and people, it was the first time they've ever seen like a grouse or the first time they've seen a a tiger or any of these things. Cause they just, they weren't, you know, they lived in the city and they just didn't know these things existed. And I think that's really, in, in a lot of ways, that's what you're doing, Amanda. You're just, you're bringing so much to the table that people may not be aware of.
2: Um, Well, thank you. And you brought up a good point when mentioning the people from the 1800s, the scientists from the 1800s. What some people don't know um, is that, for instance, Darwin um, and other researchers during that time, they were not necessarily artists. What they would do, they'd go out, they'd see what um, they saw, you know, they document it, describe it in detail and do sketches. Mm -hmm. They would bring their work back and let artists create the artwork that would go into their books. Even Darwin used it, paid an artist. So creatives in research and conservation has been around for, you know, hundreds of years because, uh, you know, they always say that a scientist's mind is different from an artist's mind, and some people can, you know, balance that out. But honestly, we want our researchers doing research. We want our artists helping the researchers. You know, we want our filmmakers making films doing doing what they do best and helping mm-hmm. researchers tell the story.
0: It's a good point. Yeah, and this this actually goes back to one of the other episodes that I did. We well we did together Paul and I um, where we talked about the STEM uh, educational system where science, technology, engineering and math and how I felt it should be STEAM, science, technology, engineering, art and math because I really think that in some degree or at some level, every research, uh, scientific research expedition, you know, what, whatever it is that they do, there's always somebody there who either has a camera or a sketchbook mm-hmm. or they write about it. You just can't get around the research without an artist conveying it to everybody else, and then maybe that's the best answer I can give for why we need art mm-hmm. in education. Because I think you're just. You're just going to leave that out for everybody and it's just, it gets lost. But, um,
2: Mike, uh, you just hit the nail on the head. I've been trying to tell people the exact story you just told. And what you just said about the um, STEM fields being separated from art, this is only a modern thought process. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me tell you a quick story. Imagine yourself in the 1600s, you're an explorer. You're not even a researcher. You're just an explorer. You love to explore. You go to the king or you go to your sponsor. You get the money to go on exploration. Mm -hmm. Um, On your trip, you're going to have a researcher. You're going to bring with you a writer to tell the stories of your great exploration. You're going to bring an artist with you. So you're going to bring a researcher. You're going to bring someone to help you cook, carry your stuff. A research team used to specifically carry creatives with them because that was their job, to tell the great story of these great explorers. Only in modern times have we separated out the STEM from the art and put them in their two corners and mm-hmm. never shall the two meet. Yeah, right. Well, that's, that's what I'm encouraging. These two corners need to come back and collaborate on projects because it just makes the project better. Oh, yeah. it, it, it brings a different depth to research projects than des- than just spreadsheets and data.
0: Exactly. I think the creativity side of it actually f- introduces scientists to open their mind to other concepts and other research. They want to dig deeper. They want to do other things. I'm not saying that a scientist can't be creative. I'm saying that a scientist really needs to be creative. In order to kind of go beyond what the status quo has already status quo has already said is accepted. I mean, if we still believed what we believed in 1800, we wouldn't have medical, you know, uh, we wouldn't medical science wouldn't be where it is today if we We'd still, still be
1: bleeding people. Oh yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. So drilling holes in your head.
1: Exactly. Right. Well
2: actually we still do that. That's a bad example. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind
1: <laughs>
0: right. But if the plague came, you know if we had a plague, yeah. it, it, we wouldn't be worried about, you know, oh, that's that's got to be you know God's telling us, you know, whatever. It, we would understand that it's you know, we got to do this instead. but I want to ask you, who inspires mm-hmm. you and uh, how did you get involved with photography and your your particular line of work?
2: Um, actually, my mom said, basically, I mean obviously, she was joking, but that I was born with a camera in my hand. I have had cameras in my hand since I picked up her browning when I was little. Um, I, I just, it came natural to me. It's, it's all I ever want to do. It's all I ever think about is taking pictures of nature, bringing nature to people. Mm. Honestly, it's not just nature. I love taking pictures of anything. But how I got involved in the history and the nature area of it, my mom um, worked um, at a state park in North Carolina. It's called Somerset. And it's a state park. It's not only a historical uh, place, it's also a natural nature reserve. Um, It's a lake and it's beautiful. And I just fell in love with it. And with my little 110 camera I got, (laughs) I just just went crazy taking pictures of it. Uh, Not only that, I was raised... Near the Dismal Swamp, the Great Dismal Swamp in North Carolina. It's a big um, natural place, and was raised around 300 acres of farmland. Uh, from the time I can remember, I've been connected to the nature in some way. I, I just love it. It's just part of who I am. It's an, I, so I want to bring that. I want to bring that to other people. Mm-hmm. I want to see. I want people to see the damages. That corporations do to rural areas. I want to show people um, that there is nature in urban areas. I want I want people to have a voice in urban areas about what's going on in the conservation in in their areas mm-hmm. because people don't understand that clean water, clean food is just not important in rural areas, but urban areas have these um, issues. I mean, we hear it right away in Michigan, you know, Detroit with the right. with the bad water and stuff. But that's just not that's a big story. We're talking about little stories where people could go out and make city parks and, and bring nature to the urban areas. And that's very important to me.
0: I I think you I think you brought a lot out in that, that statement. When when I was listening to, to you talk about that, I got to thinking about it. We actually have a responsibility as human beings, uh, on the corporate level and personal level, to really make sure we're not killing the environment and killing the ecosystems for the animals and even ourselves. Because eventually, if we if we kill it for our, if we kill everything, oh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to put this into words that really makes a, a bigger impact than just me saying, "Oh, if we mess it up, it's you know." I I think. If we're not responsible human beings, it's going to bite us in the ass. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. Because if we don't adhere to ecology, we don't look at the environment and say, if we destroy this, there won't be any more of these. I think 200 years ago, we wouldn't have understand the ramifications of it. And clearly we didn't. That's why the bison were killed off pretty much in North America but mm-hmm. at at some degree we have to understand that you know <laughs> we we are the um we're the top dog basically as human beings and we have the ability to destroy this globe that we're living on and without actually taking care of it we're going to kill off different species and and eventually it's like I say it's going to bite us in the ass because we you know we need bees we need mm, we yeah. need flowers we, yeah. we need we need things that we all take for granted and a lot of folks just aren't educated and that's why it's inspiring to me to listen to you talk because i know it's it, it's photography i get that and and there's a passion there but there's a mission behind the passion and that's that's what's really kind of interesting to me
2: so thank you. I really appreciate that because I do I have an interest in science and arts and I want to if if I can have an interest in both I want to bring that to everyone else that you don't have to have a mission you don't have to have a mission to to do photography and you don't have to have a mission to do science, but when you do and you bring them together, the story is so much better. When you bring science and that data and, and all the research together with someone who has been side by side with you, filming it and telling your story and bringing it back, not only like we did in the 1700s, not only will you receive more funding for another exploration, exploration, but you reach people better. People, Most people who are not in science fields right away don't want to sit down and read 100 pages of spreadsheets or 100 pages of data, but they'll watch a 45-minute movie on what that data represents, and right. that is so important. I mean, it's just—and later on in the conversation, I'll get more into diversity and conservation, but— Bringing those two together is my mission. You are correct. It, it is, is my cool. passion. That
1: is cool. It makes it 100% relatable because you can tell somebody, uh, you can give somebody all the data that they want, but if they see a, a picture of a, a, a ram coming down the, the side of a cliff, mm-hmm. that that resonates with somebody. They see that. Or if you see these you know, pictures of ducks covered in oil, that that makes a lot more of an impact than hearing somebody say, "Well, we can't pollute the water."
0: Absolutely, there was something that that Amanda shared on Twitter just the other day. Um, it might, might have been yesterday or even this morning. I'm not real sure, but uh, impact on the image is where I'm going with this. If if you see an image, uh, there was there was a turtle. I didn't get all the details because I, I was I was trying to get to sleep. But there was there was a turtle that somebody ran over with the mower. Is that correct? Oh damn.
2: Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. So there was somebody who was like, just total asshat. Just basically, what? Well, why should we care about the turtles or whatever? It, it was kind of like, really, you know, this turtle was just making a home in the yard or wherever it was. I didn't get into the details about it, but basically, what I got out of it was, you can listen about a turtle somebody talk about it and say well yes yeah, poor turtle was in the yard and got got hit by a, a mower blade and whatever and whatever if you hear it that way it's it doesn't have impact but the minute you see the photo and that was the thing that really that stopped me in my tracks as i was going through twitter it's like oh that poor thing you know the, the the shell was just chopped up you know and you know we see that with a lot of different animals we see uh, uh the the turtles going back into the ocean we see the um, just, I mean, yeah. so many different images really kind of resonate in my brain right now. I, I couldn't, couldn't even express mm-hmm. all the different things, but, you know, without the imagery, it's hard for a lot of people to even get it in their heads. What's going on. You can't you know? relate to it. No, you can't. You can't. And I think you hit the net, the, the, the net, the net on a day, <laughs> 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 Anyway, speaking of tongue tied, what are you drinking, Paul? What, well, are we, what You are made drinking?
1: something called a Long Island iced tea. What's in uh, that? I did. It's and got, got a it. little bit of
0: everything. You haven't even tried it yet? No. God, mine's half gone.
2: <laughs> I'm jealous. I'm going to be with you all over We here, always man. try it on the air. I'm not
1: supposed to drink it. I'm not supposed to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> say right. Well, it let's
0: let's cheers. Let's cheers. All, all right. right cheers. cheers. Clink. Cheers, everybody. <laughs> clink, clink, clink. Clink. Let's all see right. what this tastes like. All right. Go ahead. I'm, I'm always I'm always really kind of concerned what he's going to think because he hates my craft beer.
2: Oh he's, man, he's
0: got a little bit that's of. That's
2: something you tell your friends. Come I on. know, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Every time I give him a craft beer, he's like, "Oh, that's that's." that's that.
1: There's something strong in that.
0: Well, yeah, there's a lot of stuff strong. In it. <laughs> that's why I say Damn. just be careful with it because it, you know, uh, I give I you. I haven't a, eaten
1: yet, really. and I, so. I gave you a full glass, oh. so just. Yeah, I, don't a, want, I don't want to waste all this.
0: You do not have to. Don't worry about that. I expect you to waste it. Honestly, that's fine. What's I, in this? All right, it's so, spicy.
1: There's a spicy there.
0: Okay. So here we go. I I make mine a little bit stronger than the typical recipe. And I make it based on the old recipe of how a Long Island iced tea should be. I I do it with one ounce servings of each of the different liquors. So before I get into that too, I also use original spiced rum instead of clear rum. So it's a little different mm. a little different in that regard, but all right, so you got triple sec. You've got, these are all equal parts of each. Triple sec, uh, gin, original spiced rum. I like to use Captain Morgan's. Um, vodka. Oh, my my mind is just not, not into this right now. Um, crap.
1: You put crap in
0: it? No, I didn't put crap. There's Coke. <laughs> there is Coke in it. Um, oh my! My brain is just going. It don't have iced tea in it. It's got tequila. It does not have any iced it's tea got in it at no. all. Yeah, it's got. Yeah, it's
2: mm. all alcohol, Paul.
0: Yeah, all of it. So there's uh, there's six shots of alcohol in it all together. Well,
1: That's a waste. I got no, no. to drink this. You do not have to drink it all.
0: <laughs> my wife out there, she she had one. I made her the test version this
1: morning. She seems a little sleepy. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> if you get it, if I go to the local uh, pub, yeah. and I order a Long Island iced tea, what will be in it
0: here locally? It'll be probably a half ounce to three quarter ounce of everything I just mentioned, but they'll probably use a light rum instead of a dark rum, and they won't do as much as what I did. They'll probably go half ounce to three quarter ounce, and they just do a splash of Coke, not, not. Yeah, you know, in our glasses, I think we probably have three to four ounces of Coke. That way, it looks more like a Coke. See,
1: I always thought they were. Uh, Mine looks
0: like a sweet tea.
1: I always thought it was know. like iced tea and Jack Daniels. It was like a Jack and Coke, but it was no instead of a Jack and Coke, it's a no. It a Jack it, and it's iced a tea.
0: it's a sneaky Pete. Basically, you just if mm. you get one, it's it it's not supposed to taste real boozy, but you're getting you're basically getting a six pack of boo- of beer. Yeah, in one glass. It, it tastes, tastes like an iced tea. You're gonna drive me yeah. home. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, Amanda, what are you drinking? That's the important part.
2: I am drinking two things. (laughs) Jack and Coke, Jack Daniels. Mm -hmm. Of course, I had to have that because, you know, Tennessee. Right. Um,
0: Because you're from Tennessee.
2: I am. I am Clarksville, Tennessee. Awesome. Whoop, whoop. So, if you need a conservation or preservation photographer for your project, let me know.
0: That's Perfect. (laughs)
2: Um, and I have an iced coffee rum, 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 iced coffee. So That's interesting. got that going on too.
1: I Mike have- made fun of me for drinking my my uh, Pabst hard coffee a few <laughs> podcasts ago because I don't, I don't really drink that much. I only drink here. This makes me look like an alcoholic. <laughs> I rarely drink, but uh, I thought I'd have that. I actually liked it. I couldn't believe it, but. He um, turned his nose up at me.
0: Yeah, yeah. You do like Doom Pedal, though. You always bring that up. It's yeah, like doom, I mean, as far as, pedal, as I it.
1: hate beer, and on the list of beers I hate, that's at the bottom of the list. So.
0: That's that's the least one you hate yeah. To,
1: yeah, okay. I get that. I get that.
0: Well, I wanted to <laughs> before we move on. I wanted to bring up another artist that uh, to bring the art history and the all walks of art kind of theme to the show. I was as I was doing my research, I got to thinking, who in the world? Puts me in mind of a modern day version of Amanda, right? So who who can I who can I go to to find some information? And I I scoured the internet. I was looking around. I was doing some different things, and I found an artist that. And I love doing this kind of stuff because being an artist myself, I always it's it's amazing to me when I find somebody else I didn't know about, right? So this this particular artist, uh, she was born in 1830. Her name is Marianne North. N O R T H. Um, she's a Victorian English painter and biologist. So her her whole, uh, claim to fame or her whole mission in life was conservation and naturalism before photography was invented. Wow. Yeah. And she's, she's really cool. I I dug deep and I want to go even deeper, but, uh, let me bring up a little bit of information on my computer here so I can get all the all the history. She was born October 24th, 1830. She passed away in 1890 on August 30th. Uh, she has a provenance, too, that most people wouldn't, or a pedigree, I should say, that um, for the, our English listeners, we have a few in London who listen. I, I see them popping up on, on the, uh, the, the data that I gather. But um, she's from Hastings, England. And being a north, she actually hails from. And I, I had this right on the tip of my tongue, and I can't remember. But she hails, hails from uh, her family is Cambridge area, Sussex, um, different places like that. But there is a museum that shares a lot of her eight hundred pieces of paintings wow. that, that she.
2: Oh wow! She made. Yeah,
0: she's she, the Royal Botanical or the Royal Botanic Gardens, Coup if I'm saying that right. I hope I am. K-E-W. Wow. Yeah. uh, Her parent, uh, Janet Marjorie Banks and Frederick North were her parents. Now, the interesting part about that is Frederick was uh, the son of Dudley North, the fourth Baron North. Uh, Being somebody who comes from the Area of Cambridgeshire, myself, uh, not born there, obviously, but 1720s uh, when my family left Cambridgeshire to come from there. It was interesting to me to see how much her family was based on that. So it re- I want to research this mm-hmm. this painter a lot more. But I was really interested in her career. Uh, she traveled all over the world. Brazier, uh, uh Brazier. Brazier. Bra- <laughs> Brazil, the Great <Grand> Jamaica- <laughs>
1: yeah. The- <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, I've had a little too much to drink, baby. (laughs) Anyway, Jamaica, Brazil, uh, Borneo, Java, India. Obviously, she was, being a Victorian-era artist uh, from England, she had access to quite a a bit of the world because, you know, like we say, the sun never sets on the British Empire. But Mm -hmm. um, interestingly enough, any of the plants, her legacy, this is what really... This, this is what really hit home for me. She, you know, for artists, a lot of times we want to have a legacy. Right. We want to leave something. Yeah. You know, that's our whole idea. Her legacy is anytime you see a plant with the name, the species name, the genus name, with Northia in it, she discovered it. She painted it. That's
2: amazing. It is
0: amazing. She She painted it. She gave information about it. She put everything out there about it really a fascinating woman. I want to do a whole lot more of understanding with with this particular person. So Marianne North, for those of you listening, go out and check it out. If you are in the London area, uh, be sure to go check out the Royal Botanic Gardens. And uh, I know they're shut down right now because of uh, COVID-19, but uh, you can make donations. And and definitely when things open up again, give them some support. Um, I was happy to note that, when she traveled to North America, she met Frederick Church. And for my artist listeners, uh, that name probably sounds familiar. He was a painter here in North America, uh, known for the Hudson River School of Painters. He's kind of the father of landscape painting here in the United States. So it's it's just fascinating what I've learned here. And I'm yeah. really glad I got digging into this. I would never have done it if it wasn't for Amanda, Really? Oh, so it's really thank you. cool. Really, really cool. Oh, so I gotta ask after after sharing that, have you ever been inspired by a painting that really kind of led you to, you know, in your photography career? Uh, I mean, can we tie this together anyway?
2: Um, well, the sad part is when when I was growing up, I grew up in a very rural area where we didn't have a lot of um, access to. Museums, or I mean, I had we only had 109 people in yeah. our town growing up, and even that today there's small, only yeah, <laughs> yeah, even today there's only 13,000 people in the entire county. So wow. um, when it comes to art, uh, now I've always loved um, Ansel A- Adams, uh, but as an adult, I found these artists not as not when I first got interested in nature. Now let me tell you what did interest me was and, and I think this is very important when it comes to children. What did interest me at home and what got me interested in taking pictures, was my Nat Geo magazines? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, we got those at our, you know, we received those at our at our home and encyclopedias and and other like magazines and books that we had in school. So I think it's important to expose children, to oh, nature yeah. as early as possible Absolutely. and different ways to bring that nature back whether you're a scientist or a researcher a data impro- you know in processor um um but, any type of creative it's so important to put these things just at the uh, fingertips of children mm-hmm. Um, When I saw the wonderful, I mean, just it amazed me how wonderful the photos were in the Nat Geo magazines. And I'm like, I want to do that. You know, that's what I want to do, you know, because when you're growing up and just taking pictures of nature, everybody's like, oh, that's cute. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) (laughs) She's got a camera, (laughs) you know, but, you know, you find your way. And um, one of the one of the things that you and I talked about before, before we recorded here was. (laughs) Uh, one of the big issues in conservation, even today, we're talking about 2020. We're talking about conservation. It's been around for hundreds of years. And uh, what we're talking about today is that there's still a lack of diversity in conservation. Mm-hmm. Um, the the conservation is uh, mostly... White men, the women Mm -hmm. that are involved normally have, just like you just pointed out, the painter from the 1800s. You know, she was a well to do woman with contacts. She was friends with Darwin. I just read that she was friends with Darwin. Yes, absolutely. So she had all these contacts where other people might not. So that's a big passion of mine, too, is to encourage diversity and conservation by bringing creative people to conservation. Because if you don't see yourself um, represented, excuse me, too much coffee (laughs) (laughs) if you don't see yourself represented in imagery in that job Mm -hmm. you're going to think that you're not wanted there and you're not going to do that so it's important it is very important that we represent people from all backgrounds in the same jobs Uh, if you go to oh let me let me read a statistic for you real quick um
0: I love this. She's prepared. Yeah.
2: (laughs) B, there isn't one, one major preservation or conservation organization in the entire United States that is led by an ethnic person. Wow, really? (laughs) Not Not one. Not one. Not one. And so one of the solutions that I push people to do is start your own.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If people are
2: not if people are not going to invite you to the table, set up a new table.
0: Well, that and you can do it locally. <laughs> there's conservation efforts in in every region, and if you do it locally, you're at least, at the very least, you're you're putting an effort out to make sure that there's awareness, and actual process, and progress to Correct. making sure that your local community is adhering to good conservation efforts.
2: I agree with you. That is that is my main goal in my graduate degree. Um, my graduate degree is in environmental policy and conservation. Mm-hmm. And my area of expertise is local community conservation. You don't have to travel around the world to save the world. You right. can do it right here in your backyard. Absolutely. And, of course, you know, um, in my passion to bring local community conservation I my other passion is to encourage a huge wide array of diversity, whether it's LGBTQ, mm-hmm. um, race, uh, religion, age, disability. the dis- disabled people are not well, um, represented in right. conservation at all. Right. Even though even though conservation can be in parks or can be data entry or can't you don't have to climb a mountain to be exactly. a conservationist. Exactly. So and, and even go, go ahead, I'm sorry.
0: No, no, go ahead.
2: Well even nowadays there's plenty of adaptive equipment where conservationists, um, a disabled conservationists can get almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, I I it, bu- it bugs me it's my, it bugs me that there's less diversity in conservation.
0: Yes, and I I want to I want to throw this out there because listening to you talk about that made me think that if we add diversity to it, we're adding more people. More people means more data. More mm-hmm. data means more truth, more fact, more information that can help us do the right thing. In this, this is where it gets a little bit hard because uh, I'm going I'm to tickle a little bit of a, a, a sore spot for me. But so many people think that whenever you want to take care of your environment or you want to take care of um, just the ecosystems out there, they think you're a tree hugger and you don't want to do anything and that everything has to rely on this and that. Well, yeah, to some degree, okay. <laughs> so yeah uh, but it's important that we do this. You know, I it is. I I I want to drive a I want to drive a fossil fuel car too. I get that. I want to be able to get on a plane and go on vacation. I get that too. But we are not doing our best to make sure the environment is taken care of. If we're going to do all these other things like driving a fossil fuel car, fly, flying planes, going all over the place, mm-hmm. you know, having straws, having it, I, the list goes on. If we're going to do that, we have to combat that with what can we do to save our environment better?
2: I agree with you. I think you'd be interested in the global sustainment developmental goals. Mm -hmm. There's 17 of them. And it's all about balance. They were put in place in 2015. They're called, like I just said, the global sustainment development goals. They... Set a standard and a measurable standard for all countries across the world that that signed the agreement where you can, you have to increase equality, um, income, but you cannot do those things without also increasing conservation. Right. So there's 17 goals and they're all interrelated. if you if you take away conservation to increase productivity or to increase income of your country then you're then you're failing the entire program right and so balance comes into effect here and and policymakers like what I'm studying, we work with companies we go in there with no judgment. You know, we can't go in with judgment because people have messed up in the past. We go in there and say, you've asked us to come in. You've asked us to do a report for you. How This is what we're going to show you how to do better. You know, this is what we're going to show you how to make your company product productivity go up mm-hmm. and save the environment at the same time. Mm-hmm. This is what you can do. So it's important that people found balance. Through conservation, conservation yeah. actually will help companies make money. Yeah,
0: so. yeah, and and back to responsibility. It just it just goes back to the whole we've we've got to make sure we're doing the right thing because we're just we're not going to be able to sustain this forever if we don't.
2: Oh, I agree. I totally agree. Um, my town that I grew up in is a perfect example. I grew up around three Superfund sites. Now. I grew up on the east coast of North Carolina, near rivers and the Albemarle Sound and the Great Dismal Swamp. And you would think that 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 shows you the picture of a wonderful paradise. And yet, we were situated right in the middle of three Superfund sites. And those Superfund sites um, poisoned the water table, killed the fish, made it hard for farmers to grow farms. Wow. So over over the years, these these factories came in to help the rural communities. And when they left, they left their 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 poison behind. Yeah, they, and were just, they were.
0: Yeah, they they abused it and left.
2: Exactly, and that that is happening in rural communities all across the nation. And that is something where we really need to work with corporations and with communities and say, look, if you're bringing in a company, we understand you need jobs, but they also need an environmental management plan. In their building of their factories,
0: yeah, and a lot of these, a lot of these companies are making billions of dollars. There's no reason why they couldn't throw some of their capital at making sure things are done right. I just, I just, I, I can't comprehend that. I just really I agree. can't.
2: I agree, because you can't, you can't come in and do a burn and turn on on exactly. every place in the world. Exactly. You can't do that. In You're fact, killing people.
0: Right, in fact, they're actually in a better place than the average person. I mean, I can probably throw a few hundred dollars here and there, uh, maybe even a thousand, a couple thousand here and there if I'm really, really serious about it. But a corporation with billions of dollars of, of revenue, of, of capital profit, like I'm talking profits, like after they paid all their bills, why are they not dumping money into the system that says, hey, we're gonna take care of our environment because we wanna keep doing what we're doing, but we wanna make sure that the environment's still like this 20 years from now, 30 years from now. I don't think we're talking 100 years from now anymore. I think we're really getting, we're at the point now where it's kind of, all right, we better do something right now because Flint, Michigan is a great example of how things just go south real fast, you know?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, Amanda, you mentioned Superfund sites. (laughs) I'm not familiar with that term. What is that?
2: A Superfund site is a site that is so poisonous. It is so polluted that the government has had to step in. And help you clean it up. That's a super fun site. That it is so horrendous. Uh, they yeah. don't expect you to take care of it by yourself.
0: Wow, I this this takes me back to another episode we talked about a little bit, just briefly. I don't, Paul. You may have already been gone from that. I think it was Brian and Brian uh, Vlasic and, and I talking about it. And it's on the tip of my tongue again with everything else. Um, about Not a the, lot on that tip, man. Yeah, the 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 <laughs> <laughs> shut the hell up, man. Shut the hell up. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Now there's a, a DuPont down in Point Pleasant area. I, I'm probably getting that all wrong again. Anyway, there's a movie about it. I just I wish I could. I should never even brought it up because now I'm just no, kind no, like, you, you pissed me off. I, I know, right? <laughs> anyway, anyway.
1: I don't so know. I, well, I got something. to yeah. yeah I'm please. Thinking about um. We got, uh, when we're painting or we're making music, it's a, it's a safe environment. You're, sometimes you do some outdoor paintings, whatnot, but for the most part, it's, it's a, it's a safe spot. You don't have to worry about the environment or wildlife or any of that, that sort of thing. So I'm curious, Amanda, if what kind of challenges you've ran into or situations you've gotten into when you've been out photographing, um the environment and and the things around you that has posed a problem or a danger if you've got anything to um anything that pops out in your mind
2: (laughs) sadly the biggest danger that most people females and um people of color and lgbtq have out in nature is other people um We normally prepare for animals for falling off of stuff and of you know, anything like that, animals attacking you or getting poison ivy, or a lot of people that climb mountains for conservation. I I met a Nat Geo uh, photographer that does that. He climbs mountains to get to the top to do the conservation to document. Mm -hmm. Um, Even he's well prepared. You do not go out on these trips unless you're well prepared, but what you cannot prepare for to an extent, is the reaction of other humans. Um, For instance, I can go out to a park, and on an early Sunday, this actually happened, on an early Sunday morning, by myself, deep into the woods. No animal's going to mess with me. I know where all the poison ivy is. I know where all the snakes are, and they don't scare me. You know, I'm good to go. But three times, three different times, I was stopped by men, who warned me of being out there by myself? One guy blocked my path.
0: Wow, that's creepy. And
2: would not let me move because he wanted to um berate me on being out in the woods by myself. Um that's, one that's guy terrible. stopped. Me. Oh yeah, it's it's horrible. It's horrible for females out in nature. And that's one of the reasons why um we have to be prepared for things like this to happen, but we also have to educate men that, uh, women can be in your places too, you know, women women can be out in nature and it happened. There's a, there's a famous guy and I can't remember his name. Um, he is a, uh, he's part of the LGBT community and he does YouTube videos, showing how to protect yourself out in nature as an openly LGBTQ person because he's been harassed before also um, out in nature. And so we're prepared for nature to attack us. We're Everyone is well-prepared. As a conservationist, okay, number one, let's back up. You see people all the time get too close to bison or get too close to bears and they mm-hmm. get mauled. Mm-hmm. Conservationists don't normally do that. <laughs> we know better. That's not us. That's not us getting too close to bisons. Um, you might find a few here and there that do that, but we know that that, that is their space. So, but yes, uh, being out in nature, that my biggest worry are other humans and mostly men. Um, like I said, the the, the scariest that time I had was out in our park right here in town and a man stopped me to berate me on how it's dangerous being out in the woods by myself. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, dude, you're the only one that has <laughs> been like this. Yeah, yeah, it's like,
0: what's on your mind, man? Why are you telling me this?
2: <laughs> yeah, so... Well, not uh, to mention
1: it's it was perfectly fine for him to be out there right. by himself.
0: That that would have been the best part. And that's you fine. Know? fine yeah. You, you could have threw it right back at me and went, well, you know, you probably don't know anything about the ecology of the area you might be in trouble, Mister.
2: <laughs> yeah, he, it, it was it was an interesting conversation. That it's kind of scary. Me.
0: It's kind of well, scary. I mean, it really, is. I tend
2: I'm a retired veteran, and I'm not saying that I'm not at risk of being attacked, but I tend to stand my ground and. You know, throw out a few cuss words when need be. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of told him off. And, and, you know, of course the B word came out immediately Uh, when, you know, so it was just a very uncomfortable situation that kind of, you know, affects your mood at that time, you know. But then two other ones, uh, another male that same morning, because I carry a lot of gear and I carry a really long 600 millimeter lens. Um
0: Yeah, baby. he stopped me. Had to throw that in <laughs>
2: <there>. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean I, I I do I do photography she, too she, too. So, you know Yeah,
2: she is named Big Bertha. Yeah. Wow. She is named Big Bertha. <laughs> She's my moneymaker. Um he, he stopped me to tell me how to use it. This oh is my no God! Joke. Right? These yeah. are real honest awesome. to goodness. I could tell good you, old man
1: kind of,
0: Yeah, he probably yes. could, probably couldn't even take a photo of his foot with his iPhone. But yeah, he's going to tell you all about how to do it.
2: <laughs> it was hilarious because he's sitting there telling me how to use my equipment that I've had, you know, for a few years. Uh, you know, but, but, yeah. I'm like what? <laughs> so, so yeah, to sorry for long explanation to your question. Oh, humans! <laughs> humans are the most dangerous. Yeah,
0: yeah, we're the worst. We are. We really are. And, and, you know, I just, I said, again, listening to you talk about it, it's really, it, it's cringy but when you think about how people act. It's brought
1: up some things that I, I would never even consider. Well, we're being, white
0: guys. We're, we're a couple of white guys who right. just, you know, go out in the woods, and if if we're in the woods, nobody really, I mean, I'm a I'm a 280-pound man, six foot tall, and people probably aren't going to really, but for the most part, I walk past you, be like, hey, hello, you know, whatever, you know, move on. Uh, my long hair and my little beard, and I start looking like Odin. It's it's really quick to people that oh, that guy's probably a badass, you know, even though I'm not. <laughs>
1: so. well, I just look like the, I look like the kind of guy that probably carries a knife or a gun, so you they usually leave me alone. You, know, yeah. you,
0: you have a you have a I'm going to say this out loud. You have a you have a pervy psycho look about you. Yeah, but. he means that <laughs> endearingly,
2: <laughs> endearingly.
0: All right, endearingly. we are at the part of the show that I call last call. It's a rapid fire segment where I rattle off a few random questions, silly mostly, but maybe serious. I want to. Oh, wait. Hey, wait just a
2: second. Before, I want to give some uh, shout outs. Yes,
0: please. Yes, let's do that. Um,
2: I I want to give a shout out to Dr. Dwayne Estes of Southeastern Grasslands Initiative, Um, Marnie uh, McAllister from Weed Wrangle. Joanne McIntosh from Sierra Club of Montgomery County and Crystal Rea of Congested Cat Productions. All four of them have uh, encouraged me and supported me on my, my, passions and 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 giving me a voice and giving me a place to put my pictures so i really very cool i uh, wanted i really wanted to thank them for giving very me cool. a step up
0: and all walks of art thanks them too i i think uh anytime we could support our community is, is it's really important that we do that so thank you folks for that ah so paul are you ready for this
1: i guess this is a this this, this is, is a segment n- you keep acting like like this is a a segment that has just happened a million times, but... It has this, not. This all, as...
0: <laughs> this is new.
1: As we always do, <laughs> this is something that's being sprung on me right yeah, now. Yeah.
0: So. That, for those listening who are new to the show, uh, Paul doesn't drink. I make him well, drink
1: on the show. Well, now I'm a sometimes <laughs> drinker. You <laughs> yeah, you're, a, you're into, a
0: Sunday alcoholic, I know. Um, we record on Sundays and all that jazz, but anyway... Jazz. I always springs it. He doesn't even get the notes. He doesn't know what we're talking about, who we're talking to or any of this stuff. So it's kind of fun. I really, I love the fact that he has to be spontaneous. It's funny. <laughs> 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 to me, it is. <laughs> 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 all right. All right. Last call. Last call. This is the, the typical, like a lounge. I'm going to call, call last call. Um, Let's see. Where, where can I start with this? Um, it's, it's basically a quick rapid fire session where I have some silly questions. All right. Maybe silly answers. You can say whatever the hell you want. I mean, I really don't all right.
1: care.
0: All right. I mean, the whole idea is that after we've had a few drinks, we've all loosened up. We've got used to <laughs> each other. We know how we talk. We, we got through the seriousness of the show. We did what we, we were supposed to do. Let's talk like friends. That's the whole idea. It's all off the cuff. We're all friends now. Let's see what happens. The first question for Paul. Given the chance and if money was not a barrier, would you sail around the world with a small uh, sailboat with nothing to eat except grilled cheese, Diet Coke, and coffee? Oh, before you answer, I see you doing it. You're ready to go. Think about it. One caveat. You must complete a drawing every day using nothing but charcoal. Could you do it?
1: Uh, I don't drink coffee, so you
0: are now. <laughs> <laughs> am I making
1: stops, or am I no,
0: just sailing around? The, you got sail around to, the world. You've only got Diet Coke, coffee, and grilled cheese. Well,
1: no, I'm not doing that. I, really? <laughs> if I can't stop nowhere and look at anything cool, I'm just. So it's all about food for you. Yeah. No. <laughs> if If you're saying I can stop in the Bahamas and I can stop in Galapagos and I can stop but in Brazil, well, you might.
0: You I mean, you probably have to dock every once in a while, but. God, you've made this hard. All right, That's what all, she
1: right
2: said. all right, all right. <laughs> That's
0: what she said. Oh, you're terrible. All right, Amanda, similar to Paul. Yes. Oh, Lord. Yeah, yeah right? Christ. <laughs> given, seatbelt on. I know. Given the chance and with unlimited funds, would you spend a month in a cabin in the woods with nothing to eat but pizza with pineapple? Oh, yeah. No, oh, that was an easy one. <laughs>
2: A month, yes. Just a month—that's nothing. <laughs> a Month, we've, yeah.
0: We've all been quarantined for six to eight weeks. It's nothing. No, we, we've already had our test run. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Paul. Yeah, that's me. Olives or figs. Olives. Really?
1: I, I, I begged, love olives. I pegged you as a fig guy. I eat olives as a snack. As olives are a snack food for me.
2: Really. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Love it. That's them. like my daughter. My daughter loves olives.
1: I like the uh, garlic stuffed ones the best. Oh, But uh, The nice. ones with the pimentos or whatever. I good learned
0: too. something new. So, when I, that episode when we made um, Dirty Martinis, Martinis yeah. you probably really liked the olives.
1: I did.
0: Awesome. I didn't know that.
1: I mentioned it then, but you weren't listening well, to me. I wasn't.
0: I don't listen to you as usual. Yeah. All right. Amanda, last question.
2: Okay. This is a hard one. I'm ready. This is a difficult okay. one because you're a photographer.
0: <laughs> I have to ask nikon or canon
2: oh team canon hashtag team Ah. canon all (laughs) the way
0: man i I won't hold that against you i have a nikon (laughs) i I use panasonic i'll forgive you i'll forgive you for that i use panasonic for my video but i I use a a nikon because i go way back with nikon but all right that is the end of the show i got nothing else uh paul how can people find you on the internet
1: you can find me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Bexton, V-E-X-T-O-N, and mgflash.com.
0: Awesome. A huge thank you to Amanda Blunt for being on the show yes. and putting up with our silly little shenanigans. Did you thank get pla-
2: you for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I, I oh, really it's enjoyed such this. A, and- such a pleasure. Well,
1: I want to thank you for bringing some things to light that, I mean, I've never really thought about before. And yeah. you definitely have me thinking, I mean, for real. So yeah, yeah. I, anytime something like that happens, I consider that a great success because uh, you've given me some, some things to roll around back in my head for the next couple of days. Yeah. And, and uh, I, that's really cool. Well, I
2: appreciate it. Yeah, I really do. And I appreciate y'all giving me a voice and a platform to to educate people because that's what I really want to do. I just want to educate people. I think the more people we educate, the better we become.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I really think this show has a lot more value than a lot of the other shows we've done. It it does have a big impact, honestly, on people. I think this is important. And I'm really thrilled that you are on the show. Okay. Where can they find her? Yeah, I'm getting there. Oh, uh you got it. See there. When when he doesn't pay attention to what's going on. Come on,
1: Mike. You, 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 just, you got a lot of dead air that we got to cut here. I know, I know, I know.
0: I know. Well, that's how the endings go. The endings just that's the hard part about a podcast, especially when you drink and it's a lounge atmosphere. You know, you just kind of want to. All right, we got to go. You know, that sort of thing. It doesn't. Nobody wants to go. You're
1: waiting for somebody to get up out of the seat, but no one is because we're yeah. all on the radio here.
0: <laughs> all right, the show's come to an end. If you'd like to be on the show. Oh wait a minute! Paul was right. How did I skip that line? I don't know because you're on crack. <laughs> I'm <not> on crack. <laughs> I might be a little empty. You know what? Long he, tea. He interrupted me and I, I skipped over. I, inter- I interrupted I, him. Yeah, and,
1: and, and I shall be flawed.
0: And Amanda brought up so much, so many good things. I know. Even here in the end, she's like killing it. So, Amanda, how <gasps> can people find you on the internet?
2: On Twitter, you can find me at the Nature Nut. Uh, at yeah, at The Nature Nut and the main uh, title is Amanda Blunt Photography you can find me on Instagram at Amanda Blunt Photography and on Facebook at Amanda Blunt Photography but I am in the process of redesigning everything so in a few weeks look forward to some changes
0: awesome, awesome, we'll put some links in the description of the show and people can find you that way as well and thank you uh, I guess that's it the show's come to an end is
1: everybody all right. good? Are hey, all good are we, we all survived. good we survived she said man in the blunt photography but her last name's spelled
0: different Ye- yeah B-L-O-U-N-T thank you B-L-O-U-N-T
2: that's yes, right
0: that's right uh i gotta i gotta put this out for everybody if you'd like to be on the show or uh or simply send me some hate mail you can do that too drop me a line at the studio at michaelworth.com that's uh, t-h-e-s-t-u-d-i-o at m-i-c-h-a-e-l-w-a-r-t-h.com share this episode subscribe if you are not already and i'd love to have you give us a review uh, Paul, Paul basically beats me whenever we don't get reviews, so I really need those reviews and put it out there for us that you know you like us or don't like us. You know, make make the show, make us better. That's the idea. Once again, I'm Michael Worth, and this is the All Walks of Art Podcast. I'm really thankful you shared your time with us, and hope you become a regular here. That's the idea. Okay, that's really it. Thanks for being on the show, Amanda. Paul, it's good to have you here. Until next time, cheers. See ya. Later. Bye, Amanda. Good to see ya.
2: Bye.